It's always great to welcome on and say hello to the guys from the Cover 3 podcast, part of CBS Sports. And Chip Patterson joins us on Heartland College Sports. I'm Pete Mundo. It's always great to be here talking about the Big 12, whether you're on YouTube, whether you're on the podcast. Always appreciate you taking a moment out to hit that subscribe button. And of course, a rating and review helps. And then the radio affiliates, you guys are always the best in our bread and butter. Chip, we are in that time of year when uh, we start itching for some football. The dog days of summer are here. What about you? Just when you look at the landscape, of course, realignment's sucking up a lot of attention right now. But on the field, what excites you most about 2023 and what's to come this fall? Um, you know, the it'll be really nice to be able to put a lot of stuff away and just look at football. Because, uh, you know, being with you before, I think you – and. You know, any listeners of the Cover 3 podcast can tell you that, like, it, nothing really charges me up um, it, than when we actually talk about the players and the games themselves. Like, I think that's very core to the sport. And so I'm looking forward to putting away, you know, the college football playoff expansion because it's one year away. You know, putting off to the side conference realignment, except for some of the conference realignment moves that we have right away. You know, like, that's what I'm interested about is, when you look at the combination of a Cincinnati and a UCF and a Houston and a BYU, how do these uh, new Big 12 schools acclimate themselves to the conference? You know, and you know, are they going to go, let's say, a, a TCU path or a West Virginia path? Because we have seen, uh, even recently, the different ways that it can go in joining this league. You know, I'm, I'm excited to put away thinking about, uh, you know, Texas and Oklahoma's exit, even though, you know, that is something that if you are at one of those other schools, you're constantly jockeying for position. But, um, you know, I, I'm very fired up about the season. And I'll say this, like the the dog days, sure. But I do think, you know, we've got the all Big 12 team coming out, Big 12 media days coming up. Like we are really about to dig into this season and we can put some of the big picture stuff, whether it's NIL, realignment, we can put it on the bookshelf for a little bit and we can dig in on the season that's at hand. I'm with you there. Now, you mentioned the new teams coming into the Big 12 Conference. I want to get to them, but first thing, Chip, when you look at this league, and, and obviously you guys at the Cover 3 Podcast cover everything in college football, is the Big 12, once again, the most unpredictable and balanced league in the country, yes or no, and if so, why? Yes. Um, it, without a doubt, it is the most unpredictable, and the – the interesting narrative, I guess, within the Big 12 is, you know, it, I, if I'm selling you on entertainment, if I'm selling you on every every game is going to be a one-score game, you know, that is a great way to sell it to fans. Are, are we misreading entertainment for quality? Because there are, you know, other sets of data, like the recruiting rankings uh, for the players coming in, the NFL draft numbers for the players coming out, um, that, that might suggest that, you know, the, the Big 12 might be able to really sell itself on being the, the conference where everything is the most entertaining. But then they go <clears throat> and they have a, you know, a poor performance in the bowl season. So I'm really interested, again, like with the, the new additions coming in with Texas and Oklahoma going out, you know, who really jumps to the front of the Big 12? And does being at the front of the Big 12 mean you're at the, the front of college football? Um, I can use an example from outside the Big 12 that, you know, for a long time, most of the BCS era, 
you know, being at the top of the ACC did not mean you were at the top of college football. It meant you were going to get the auto bid to the Orange Bowl and lose. You know, the ACC Mm -hmm. went two and 13 in uh, BCS bowl games. And that really, you know, dug them into a reputation that has been difficult to climb out of. Uh, We had a flash, obviously. But so that's that's kind of where I'm at, where for the Big 12, you know, if, if you're at the top of the Big 12, are you at the top of college football? If you are the two teams at the top of Big 12, are you uh, both at the top of college football trying to fight for a spot? Uh, kind of really interesting to see. But to answer the beginning of your question, unpredictable, exciting, entertaining. No one is favored by more than seven points over the other. Uh, without a doubt, good stuff through and through. Yeah, I wouldn't want to be betting. I mean, we do it. <laughs> But I'm not sure I want to be betting the Big 12 this fall. So of the four new teams, when you look at them, UCF, Cincinnati, Houston, BYU, which team is most intriguing to you on how they make this transition to the conference? UCF, and it's because I don't know the ceiling, and I think UCF has the highest floor. Uh, You return Plumlee. We did an exercise actually earlier. We went uh, player by player. You know, is would you take Quinn Ewers over Plumley? No. You know, would you take uh, Will Howard over Plumley? No. And we sort of tried to figure out where we were going to slot him. I think we had him sixth. You know, sixth or seventh. You know, this okay. the idea that UCF's going to join and um, you know going to end up having a potential top half quarterback. You know, another year of Gus Malzahn and the quarterback together. And Pete, I'll be honest, my you know just even sticking with the quarterback position. I'm not overly confident in the quarterback position, even though, you know, obviously at Houston, we've got a familiar name. I'm just not overly confident in the quarterback position and sort of, you know, the overall effectiveness of the offense at Cincinnati, at Houston, and at BYU, particularly as BYU takes a real step up in competition compared to the schedule that they're used to playing. You know, I I think if there's any team that I'm going to say will finish ahead of the other newcomers, and maybe surprise some people, it's UCF. Again, it's because I don't know where the ceiling is, but I feel good that the floor is still pretty high. Yeah, uh, and I mean, you look at what Malzahn is doing on the recruiting trail. It's been pretty darn impressive, especially since joining the Big 12. Now, Dana Holgerson's a guy who knows the Big 12. He's in a recruiting-rich area of Houston, Texas, but I noticed you don't seem as high on Dana Holgerson and what he's got going down there in Houston. Why is that, Chip Patterson? Oh, I, I just don't think the roster is uh, built out to a point right now where they are going to be able to uh, hit the ground running. And this is one of the things, like, I I sort of in the early, early, early stages of the offseason, because as you know, when you talk about college football 12 months a year, you know, you, you start already trying to have these conversations in January and February. Mm-hmm. Here's what I thought. I thought uh, Houston, winning tradition, uh, big money boosters, uh, fertile recruiting ground, as you mentioned, Dana Holgerson, big 12 experience, a lot of things that would be like, man, if there's one a program that can hit the ground running, it's Houston. And I was jumping out way too early, and I was telling you, I was like, Houston, you know, I, I just think that they've got all the pieces in place. And, you know, it was pointed back to me as the offseason went on. They said, okay, well, um, why don't you just go take a look at the overall state of that roster right now? Because while this team right now could, you know, compete in the American Athletic Conference, 
uh, there's a step up from the American Athletic Conference to the Big 12. And I just think, you know, whether it's a whether it's a dip in the cycles or a down year in terms of, you know, where he's at, you know, he's clearly operating with a team that is going to be using the transfer portal a good bit, but it, it's going to be leaning on, um, it's going to be leaning on some players to be able to come through for them in a big way, some portal additions to come through in a big way. Uh, I just, I'm not sure that the overall quality of the roster for this season is set up for uh, an immediate fast start. Now, for Cincinnati, of course, a lot of Big 12 fans were not really, you know, on Cincinnati and following them a whole lot. We know they made the college football playoff a couple of years ago. The loss of Luke Fickle, you know, it's enormous, but put it in the context, just how big is it? Can they recover from it? Not predicting any playoff appearances, but can they be a top half of the Big 12 kind of team or is it going to take some time? I had always, it's going to take some time uh, is the immediate answer. You know, this mm-hmm. is, um, this was a situation where based on the current world of college football and the way that you have to play the game at the power conference level, Luke Fickle was maybe doing more with less. And, you know, that is conference championship after conference championship, uh, double digit win season after double digit win season. You know, clearly he had like an NFL quarterback for four years um, that that helped out a good bit. But that defense was so nasty. They had great player development. They had phenomenal coaching. And, you know, as you started to uh, realize the resources that need to be put together to back a real winner at the top of college football, I, I just don't know where Cincinnati is in the arms race right now. I don't have a great feel for it firsthand. But I get the sense that Luke Fickle was maybe even overachieving uh, for Cincinnati standards. And I think that the the step up in competition is going to be a little bit of a difficult one for Scott Satterfield and the Bearcats. On a similar note, um, and I love this perspective because you do follow the entire sport in the way that those of us ingrained in the Big 12 have not. BYU, the challenges there in, in terms of um, admissions, in terms of the religious component to it. Uh, you know, it's worked for them well as an independent and they get to kind of schedule how they want, when they want. How big of a hurdle will all of that be for that program to get itself into a place where it's competitive week in, week out in the Big 12 Conference? Uh, it's going to take some some time. And like they have, you know, gone out and they put themselves up against, um, you know, a Notre Dame. They go, they played Oregon, they played Baylor, but like, Let's just run through last year's schedule. Like UCF, without a doubt, uh, worse than every single Big 12 team. Wyoming, worse than every single Big 12 team. Utah State, um, maybe even Liberty. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, obviously, you know, uh, this, that season sort of went in a different direction near the end. ECU, Boise State, Dixie State, Stanford. I mean, we're just talking about e- minimum six or seven games a season that is a, the, anywhere from a medium size to a large step up in competition. Now, the one thing I do think is under Kalani Sataki, they have established uh, a little bit of a brand of football. They've established some consistency. You know, he was on the hot seat early in his tenure there, and now he's in year eight. So now that they have left the the independent life, and now that they no longer have those four or five uh, you know, almost gimme games a year in terms of the final record, you know, how is Sataki going to help level up the results? Because, 
you know, he survived the, the hot seat conversation once, but is his brand of football that he's built out there, is that set to uh, really be a force in the Big 12? Uh, we'll see. We will. Chip Patterson, Cover 3 Podcast, is joining us on Heartland College Sports. Great to have him here. Always appreciate you joining us as well. So, Chip, of the uh, returning Big 12 teams, everyone's looking at Texas and all the talent there and wondering whether or not Texas is actually back in their last year before going to the SEC. Is Texas back? Is this their year? They win it on the way out the door? Or do you sit here and say, yeah, you know, people are undervaluing a K-State, a Texas Tech, a TCU. What about you, Chip? Well, they are undervaluing Kansas State, but Texas is winning it on the way out. They're back. Oh. Like we're yeah, 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 yeah. Hundred percent. It's oh. gonna be Texas and Florida State and USC and Georgia in the college football playoff. The everybody is back college football <laughs> playoff. We're just gonna let the two time reigning champs take all the memories of old college football greatness. And he's gonna they're gonna the dogs are gonna have to beat all the ghosts, Pete. That's what's going to happen. All right, here's the deal. I am am in on Texas having one of the best wide receiver rooms, not just in the Big 12, but in the entire country. The offensive line has only continued to get better. You've got a running back room that has consistency at the top and a potential superstar, uh, you know, in Cedric Baxter. And, like, nothing would give me more encouragement than the fact that Malik Murphy wants to stick around and got such great reviews out of at a um, spring practice. So like this is this is really setting up well for Texas to be able to go out there and have one of the best offenses, frankly, in the entire country. And so I I really like the potential for the Longhorns to have a special season. Very difficult schedule, clearly a trip to Tuscaloosa there in week two. Um, so the college football playoff picture is always a little bit trickier to try and predict. But I, I, I do expect that Texas uh, – I think that expecting Texas to have one of those seasons that they never deliver on, I, I think that all of the reasons on paper are there for them to be able to deliver on. Brent Venables, you know, um, obviously last year did not go as planned. Year two, there's reason for optimism. But do you think that Brent Venables is the guy for OU long-term, Chip? So Dabo Sweeney wasn't the guy for Clemson, if you ask some of Clemson um, yes. around 2009. Um, and I, I kind of think that that's the, that's, that is the grace that I'll give everyone. Um, a, a lot of coaches, especially at big time programs with championship expectations that, you know, you, you got to give them an opportunity to pivot, make some moves, obviously for, Dabo Sweeney, that was you go out, you hire Chad Morris, you know, you put a spark in the offense and you be able to really take your recruiting to the next level. Hire Brent Venables from Oklahoma, you know, really take your defense to the next level. So right now, I would, if, if it was a yes, no bet, will he be a 12-year coach at Oklahoma? I would bet no. Obviously, 12-year coach at any school in the current era seems crazy. But I I think that the move, I think any coach who is the head coach of the move from the Big 12 to the SEC is set up to fail. Mm -hmm. I think that going from winning Big 12 title after Big 12 title after Big 12 title, because we just joke about Texas, but the kings of the Big 12 have been Oklahoma. You know, they have been the ones with all the rings and with all the trophies to show for the time that this conference has been playing football together. And 
to go from that sort of uh, you know regular expectation uh, into life in the SEC, which is undoubtedly by almost any metric going to be a step up in competition. I, I think that that's going to be tough. So whoever is the head coach leading that transition is going to find it really difficult. And that just happens to be Brent Venables. Yeah. Uh, Chip, you mentioned K-State. You think they're undervalued, underrated. Um, what do you like about Chris Kleiman and what this team's bringing in here in 2023 after winning the Big 12 title last year? Yeah, I mean, I just I mentioned Will Howard earlier. I think he's one of the top quarterbacks in the entire conference. Um, you know, they were able to uh, play the portal a little bit, get a couple of good Juco guys as well. But, you know, it's the Chris Kleiman of it all for me. Just the fact that we've come to really appreciate uh, his player evaluation, his player development. Um, and this is the, like, this is the kind of thing where he goes out there and he's like, why is, why is Florida state letting a Trayshawn Ward just get out of here? This is a quality player who we think can be really special for us. We've obviously got a need at running back that's been there for a little bit. So let's bring him in because we've been running the ball really well with Deuce Vaughn. And this is a great sales pitch. So I'm, I'm just general bullish on just the steady consistency and the high floor that Kansas State presents. Now, Joey McGuire, are you, Chip Patterson, buying Joey McGuire's stock and the hype, or do you got to see uh, – do they have to answer a few more questions for it before you're bought in? Nah, they – I like knowing exactly what they are. Um, you know, Joey McGuire and the Zach Kitley offense are going to give you exactly what they're going to give you. And the defensive side of the ball might be whatever, but mm-hmm. you know he outcoached a lot of coaches last season, and that was with not much. Like he outcoached Steve Sarkeesian in Texas Tech's win over Texas, like that. You know, a lot of going for it on fourth down, understanding what kind of game it was going to be, understanding when to take risks, when not to take risks. I I'm buying the stock not just for the recruiting success, and obviously 2024 is going really well. But even for some of the in-game stuff, again, you know, defense is going to be what it's going to be. But I've got a set of expectations for the offense, for Joey McGuire as a head coach, and then for what appears to be a talent upgrade that's been going on in Lubbock. So, yeah, I'm, I'm holding on to some Joey McGuire stock. Okay. Which team haven't we talked about yet? And I'm just going to list some off that maybe most intrigues you and why. Baylor, Iowa State, Kansas, TCU. West Virginia, of those teams that we haven't dug into in a big way, which one are you sitting there, Chip Patterson, and saying to yourself, gosh, I, I, I'm I, really intrigued by this team for whatever reason? Oh, it's TCU. I mean, Chandler Morris beat Max Duggan out for the job at the beginning of the season. Yeah. So he's got to be something, right? And mm-hmm. while you lose, um, you know, your alpha wide receiver, you've still got some dudes that are there. Darius Davis, Tay Barber. Like and while you lose Garrett Riley, Sonny Dykes is still your head coach. So I don't know, man. There's a lot about the personnel that says don't expect much from TCU, but we didn't expect much from TCU last year too. Yeah. How surpri- how surprised would you be if we look up and you know TCU is four and one, five and two. All of a sudden they get hot. Now they're eight and two. Um, it's it's TCU. That's that's mm-hmm. definitely the one that I've got as uh, the one that's most intriguing because it seems like everyone is lowering the bar, just recognizing how much is gone from last year's team. But I, 
I don't know, man. They they still might be really, really good. Last thing, I got to ask you about Brett Yormark and, and what you think he's done for this league as the commissioner, Chip. How, how has he changed this conference uh, for the better as you see it over the last nearly 12 months? I think that his um, ambition has been inspirational, and that's been really important for maintaining unity along the Big 12 membership. You know, when you are not getting answers from the league office, when you are not hearing about growth or future plans, then it probably makes you a little uncertain about the future. And if you are a university president who is at all uncertain about the future, then you are going to start to you know make those backroom calls just to start sniffing around at other opportunities you know when when your boss or not your boss because he technically works for the president but you know when the when the big 12 commissioner is coming out and talking about all these great plans for the future then if i'm a big 12 member i know that we're going to make it to the future so that's the best thing that he's done is i think his um aspiration has been inspirational I love that. I love it. Great job as always. Chip Patterson does an awesome job with the guys on the Cover 3 podcast. Be sure to find it going into college football season. And, of course, we appreciate you being here on the show at Heartland College Sports. I'm Pete Mundo. Hit that subscribe button. We always appreciate that before you leave on YouTube or the podcast. And, as always, always grateful for our radio affiliates as well. Chip, thanks for the time, my man. We appreciate you, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. And enjoy getting ready for the season. Sounds good. Y'all be well. Leave that rating and review. Please take 30 seconds out. Would mean the world to me if you do that. And uh, we'll get you hooked up with a free Heartland College sports koozie in the mail. Send me a screenshot of that rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. And we'll take great care of you with a free Heartland College sports koozie. Thanks so much, guys. Always appreciate you joining us. And we'll talk to you soon. Take care.